Back again. Welcome back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris. They call me Chouse. Welcoming you back to another episode of the ADF Underground. Before we kick it off with a free agent frenzy, that's what the show will be about. Obviously, the biggest concern in society today is the spread of this coronavirus. Everybody, please, please wash those hands. Stay indoors. Protect those who can't protect themselves. That is the biggest thing. We will get through this if we follow the rules. I'm a firm believer on it. This thing will spread. Obviously, people are being infected all over the world. So, I mean, there's no way around it. If you're outside, if you're in contact with somebody who is ill, you have a greater chance of getting it. So keep your distance. Stay inside. Only go out when you absolutely have to and continue the protocol of washing those hands and and coughing into your sleeve. I know everybody knows this, but I mean... Uh, I'm going to say it anyway. I mean, this is this is a devastating thing that's happening to the world. People are losing their jobs. People are dying on the streets. So, I mean, let's be responsible uh, members of society, of humanity, and, and let's get over this thing. Let's follow the rules and not be ignorant to what we all need to do. I think that is very important. So, so with that, let's jump into this show is obviously, this is the great thing about sports. You know, we can take a step away from what's happening in the real world and take it into sports. And this is what's so great about sports and why we do this podcast, why we love writing about the NFL, because it is the escape. It is what we love to see because it's a virtual world. It is the NFL. It's it's playing the games. It's something we love. So we'll get through this coronavirus thing. But hey, you know what? Let's go in a free agent frenzy. Uh, because there was a hell of a lot that happened. Crazy, crazy trades, some good sightings, some releases. We have a lot to cover, so let's dive right in. So the league year began on March 18th, but the tampering window obviously was Monday the 16th, and it jumped off to a fury of movement and transactions. So before we kick into free agents, let's jump into the trades. So there were a number of trades that occurred uh, since since Monday, since the tampering period opened. And we got to start off with DeAndre Hopkins getting traded to the Arizona Cardinals. So this trade, in my eyes and everyone's eyes, I mean, we saw how many people discussing it who couldn't believe that this actually went down. So it was DeAndre Hopkins traded to the Cardinals for a fourth rounder for David Johnson, a second rounder, and a 2021 fourth round pick. I mean, this is just theft, is it not? DeAndre Hopkins still, I get it, he's he's nearing 30. What is he, 27 years old? Uh, so you have three more years to 30, but his production is still tops in the NFL. How could you give away DeAndre Hopkins for basically... I don't want to say nothing because here, so David Johnson, everybody's going to say that he's washed, and I, I don't believe it. I think David Johnson still has a ton left in him. I mean, he's still, uh, what, removed two or three seasons away, uh, away from what he did uh, where he exploded on the scene and, and produced those massive numbers. Yes, he's been dealing with injuries. Yes, he looked slow and overweight last season. I said it many times before. But I mean, I do. I don't like this trade for the Houston Texans. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a poor deal. 
Um, Hopkins by himself should have at least pulled at least one first round pick, even if you're sending DJ back the other way to Houston. Um, so, so for the winner, obviously I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals. I think they stole it here. DeAndre Hopkins playing with Kyler Murray, uh, Larry Fitzgerald and company. I think this offense has a great amount of talent on it already. And I mean, if you fix up that offensive line, you get Kenyon Drake back in the lineup off that transition tag. I mean, your building blocks are going to be massive for year two of Kyler Murray and uh, Cliff Kingsbury installation. It's going to be fantastic. So all in all, for Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans, I feel sorry for him in that regard because they definitely gave away the biggest piece on their offensive pass game. And unless they replace it with a a, a player in the draft like a C.D. Lamb or a Jerry Judy, I really, really struggle to see the value that this trade was going to be for the Houston Texans. But uh, everything that came out after the trade was the fact of Bill O'Brien, the head coach and general manager, having personal issues with DeAndre Hopkins, calling him names, uh, suggesting that he was in the company of Aaron Hernandez, which I think is absolutely ludicrous, regardless on how a player is. um, Obviously, he didn't like who DeAndre Hopkins was as an individual, uh, which made this this move a lot easier for him to make. Um, nevertheless, I believe the Cardinals scored and the Texans. I mean, it's to be seen. It's it's. Uh, I still believe that David Johnson has something left in the tank. He's obviously going to have to prove it on the field um, for me to. Uh, warrant that opinion um but i still think david johnson still has a lot left in the tank he just has to get back onto it and maybe he can in uh, this houston offense so we'll see the next trade was hayden hurst in a fourth round pick to the atlanta falcons for a second and a fifth i like this deal we all knew that uh austin hooper was going to be uh not re-signed with the falcons his he priced his way out of town uh with his uh fabulous statistics and you knew that the falcons with their cap troubles were not going to be able to re-sign him trading for hayden hurst is a very nice consolation prize they are very similar uh uh players and hurst will be at a, a far greater discount on the books and the salary cap and will produce i mean he hadn't gotten uh, uh i don't want to say a fair shake in baltimore but he didn't get enough playing time to prove what he could be as soon as mark andrews was there he took over as the lead dog and hurst was playing second fiddle now in this Atlanta offense, playing with Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, I think you are going to see something of a magical conjunction with Hayden Hurst. I really like this trade for Atlanta. I mean, even going back to for the Ravens, they get uh, a second and a fifth. I mean, they're just going to restack that team with Lamar Jackson. That's just a fabulous trade for both sides. I truly believe that. The huge one that came after that was DeForest Buckner getting traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a first-round pick that's 13th overall in this year's draft. This is a stellar of a deal, and I really want to say it for both sides. While I never like seeing a top 15 pick get traded, especially for a defensive lineman, um, actually I should quantify that by saying players like DeForest Buckner deserve a first-round pick like this. Um, But when you start giving away your firsts, I really... Uh, cringe at, at at the fact that you're giving up that first round pick but for DeForest Buckner you have to agree um, with the talent that the Colts have on this defense and how they are building he will be a stud leader on that defensive line he's coming from San Francisco where he had a lot of help uh, with uh, with Bosa with Ford 
um, Armstead. I mean, they had a lot of help on that defensive line. So, so I mean, we definitely know what he is on the field, but I really wonder if his play will level off without having that elite talent beside him but either way I still like the deal for the Colts they are rebuilding this defense um, in a very sound way I like the movement that's happening here it's it's a great deal for the Colts as for the 49ers they now get the 13th and the 31st pick in the first round I don't believe they have a second third or fourth in this draft now Um, So when you have the 13th and 31st, your obvious need was to get more playmakers on offense and to help out the defense even more. Um, In our opinion, now at 13 overall, the 49ers place themselves in a situation to grab one of the best receivers in this draft class. And for me, obviously, it's CeeDee Lamb and, and Jerry Judy. They are number one and number two. But, I mean, for my appetite, I do like CeeDee Lamb over Jerry Judy at this point. I mean, the 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 tape doesn't lie in my eyes. Um, would I like Jerry Judy? Absolutely. I think he's going to be an elite prospect as well. He's going to be a very uh, sound talent for any club that has a quarterback. Um, but for my appetite, I mean, depending on how the first round starts to fall, the 49ers could definitely land with one of these two receivers at 13 and then follow it up however they please with 31. But another great deal for both clubs. I don't see a loser in this trade. Uh, the Colts get what they want and the 49ers obviously uh, get another sound pick uh, that's going to snag a top-end talent. So I like the trade uh, personally for both sides. So later on in that evening, we saw a monster trade as well occur with Stefan Diggs getting traded from the Vikings to the Buffalo Bills. This was just massive. I was shocked. I mean, I'm a Bills Mafia supporter. Everyone knows this. Um, I, I was a little bit uneven on the trade when it first went down. So uh, it's not that I'm not a Stefan Diggs supporter. It's just his off-field antics and the Twitter and all that stuff is what got me um, to kind of cringe a little bit. He is something of a diva, but, I mean, you know what they do in Buffalo. Uh, The same thing was looked upon when LaShawn McCoy, Shady McCoy, was traded from Philadelphia. He didn't want to come. He was rejecting the trade, saying that he would rather uh, not play, etc., but he, he ended up coming to Buffalo, and, and you can tell. I mean, Buffalo fans change perspectives of these players. I think the same will happen for Stefan Diggs. I think getting to a place like Buffalo will, will taper off all the diva uh, persona and, and, and hopefully get him off Twitter and being this negative uh, uh, force in the locker room. When it comes to skill set, nobody can question it. Stefan Diggs is a phenomenal player. When you line up... Diggs with now with uh, Smokey John Brown, Cole Beasley, um, and if Josh Allen, honestly, if you can give me two or three more points uh, improvement on your completion percentage, I mean, this is going to be fantastic. Nobody can deny that. If, if you see a three to five uh, percent increase on his completion percentage, what, what is anybody going to argue? Um, Josh Allen was very close to the 60% mark last season. So, I mean, if you're going to hit me with a 62 to 63% uh, completion rate, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all in. So this trade, the details were Stefan Diggs and a seventh from Minnesota going to Buffalo for the Bills. First round pick, 22 overall, a fifth, a sixth, and a 2021 fourth. So it 
it was a lot. Um, that was my biggest problem as well, is how much they gave up to get Stefan Diggs, especially in a draft class that is housing so many receiving talents um, um, that could be of elite stature. So um, uh, pick your poison. So obviously the rumor came out that where the Bills were sitting at 22, they would obviously be out on Lamb and Judy and would have to settle for like the Jeffersons uh, or the Higgins. I mean, that isn't even a certainty at that point because we could see a, a plethora of receivers get snagged in the first round simply because the top end talent is that good um so i mean buffalo maybe they hedged their bets a little bit they gave up a lot but they believe in what they see in digs and i and i like it i mean i think if you have a receiving core like this john brown played extremely well but he definitely needed somebody to be with him um, uh, to help him out. Cole Beasley's going to be your slot presence, and he's just going to eat it up. I mean, when you have Diggs and Brown, Brown's going to stretch the field. Diggs can stretch the field as well, so you're going to see safeties uh, falling back, and, and Beasley's just going to eat all over the middle of the field. I love that, absolutely. When it comes to the running game, you're going to see far fewer stacked boxes, especially now you're going to have uh, Josh Allen uh, being able to execute the read option a lot more, uh, Devin Singletary, and then perhaps whoever they else they bring on, on the running back room they will they will see uh, very very limited stack boxes now with this, this receiving course so I, I i come around to the trade i don't love it but i i understand why the bills did it i never like seeing a first round pick go for a wide receiver especially like i said the class being so strong but that is what it is the Bills send a ton over to minnesota and they get their man uh stefan diggs to hopefully be their number one wide receiver for for many years to come Next trade that we saw was Nick Foles to Chicago for a fourth-round pick. This wasn't anything spectacular in my eyes. We knew some move was coming. I just didn't expect it to be Nick Foles. The move, I mean, to Chicago um, to add to competition for Mitchell Trubisky uh, simply to elevate his level of play. Nick Foles, to me, sure, is he a backup? Is he reliable? Yes. Is he a starter? No. We've seen this before, and I'm going to stick with my answer and say no. Yes, did he carry Philadelphia? Philadelphia to the Super Bowl and win it. Yes, he did. But I mean, that was the system that was built for him. It was uh, the Philadelphia head coach Pedersen. He knew how to expel every single ounce from Nick Foles. Um, when he goes now to Chicago, if he does win this job, do I believe that Coach Nagy can pull the same amount? It's to be seen. I just, for his contract, uh, what's owed to him. I think there is an out after, what, two years now uh, for the Bears on his contract. So, I mean, I don't I don't hate it, but I don't like it. I think, excuse me, I think the Bears could have done a lot better. I mean, you have Cam Newton out there. You could have made a deal for him. I think that might have been a lot better. You had Jameis Winston. I, I think that one would have been a much better move, um, but they decide to go with uh, Nick Foles for a fourth-round pick. The last trade that has occurred has been Darius Slade of Philadelphia for a third and a fifth. This was that third and a fifth. I don't hate, but his contract extension was three years for 50 million. I mean, you're you're paying him a boatload of cash at 29 years old. Um, is he one of the better corners in the league? I, I, I still want to say yes, but we did see some level of play taper off last season. And could that be simply because he was disgruntled and didn't want to be in Detroit anymore? That could be the possibility. Um, I don't hate this move at all. I like it actually more than I would even argue it simply because Slay is, is a much needed 
needed commodity on this Eagles defense, especially in the way that they are ramping up the defensive line with the acquisitions they've made already and stuff that we're hearing on the rumor mill. Um, so if they inc- improve their linebacking core and they add another safety, um, I think this secondary could do some some good things. But I mean, slay to the Eagles. It's a massive need. They fill a massive hole before the draft and, and they, they get Darius Slay. So that was a big one. So let's jump right into the free agents already. Let's go into the quarterbacks and see what has transpired so far with the quarterbacks. So Dak Prescott, they the Dallas Cowboys have placed the franchise tag on Dak Prescott. I mean, this was inevitable. We saw that coming. Um, they couldn't iron out a long-term deal. Prescott was looking for in the range of, I believe he said, $40 million. Um, the Cowboys just simply can't afford that with all the players they have to pay and have been paying. They had to lock up Amari Cooper. Uh, we'll get to that, obviously, when we get to the receivers. But um, uh, tagging Dak Prescott, to me, was the smartest choice. Um, it, and, and it's funny cause I heard, I heard someone discuss that he has, uh, Dak Prescott can follow the Kirk Cousins method of the franchise tag in hopes to get that long-term deal. I mean, he will be compensated fairly. Uh, obviously the quarterback's franchise tag is anywhere from, I, I believe it's over the 30 million mark this season. So, I mean, it only continues to go up every season. So he is going to get his money. Um, the only issue is, is he going to get injured on that franchise tag? That is the curse of the tag, but, uh, uh, staying in Dallas for one season on a franchise tag is uh, is the choice the Cowboys made, and I and I like it. I mean, you keep them all together, um, and it's positive co- to continue to move forward. So moving along, Drew Brees he resigns on a two-year, fifty million dollar deal with the New Orleans Saints. This was another one that we saw coming. New, uh, Drew Brees took some time out to uh, reevaluate his status in continuing to play in the NFL, and he chose to come back and knew that he was not leaving. Um, the New Orleans Saints. The Saints were committed to him. He was committed to them, and they lock up a deal, and and they're going to push again for another Super Bowl. With this roster they have, uh, they definitely uh, will have that ability to compete once again, at least to go uh, to the championship games. But I think they have a squad uh, of high caliber that will make it uh, make a good run uh, in the 2020 season. Tom Brady, this was the news that we saw and everyone was waiting for. Where would Tom Brady go play football in 2020? Obviously, the the news coming out that the uh, phone calls and the discussions with ownership, Bob Kraft, he said he was staying out of it. And it was between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady to see if they could work out their uh, disagreements of sorts, if that's what it was. And a decision didn't come until the league year opened on Wednesday where Tom Brady decided that he was going to play football with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This was a shocker to me. I mean, obviously the the situation was um, he would not return. He made that statement uh, that he was not going to return to the New England Patriots. So we knew he was going somewhere else. So there was the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think I even saw the Frisco, San Francisco 49ers in the mix. Um, all those teams basically dropped out. The Chargers were in late and, and he ended up choosing uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This offense obviously is what he is looking for. He is, he is want 
missing much-needed playmaking help at the receiver position. He now has that with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, I like this cat, uh, Scotty Miller. He is a speedster. He could turn into another Julian Edelman on this team. That kid Watson, he's another good uh, wide receiver. So they have ample amounts of talent. O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid, how can I forget about them too? So, I mean, the options are there for Tom Brady to uh, – move into another stratosphere when it comes to offensive production even though we all saw declining ability um, but could that be tailored to the offense that the New England Patriots had last season basically with Julian Edelman being the number one guy the issue at hand is the offensive line and the running back room they don't have a lot of talent and uh, we haven't really seen Tom Brady play without a stellar offensive line so that will be very interesting he is not a mobile quarterback by any any stretch he is a statue he is a pocket guy he's going to dissect but he needs time to break down the defenses so that is a key interesting piece um, to the rest of this offseason to see how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers address their offensive line and running back rooms uh, uh, to aid Tom Brady we obviously see now that a lot of free agents are coming to board saying they want to come play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and why not uh, the keys are set for the Ferrari to win the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay right I mean I'm not going that far just yet they need to add a lot more for for me to believe that Tom Brady is is able to take them over the top uh, to go to the championship game but I mean this is this is the argument everyone has had right it, it, will Tom Brady win a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick and will Bill Belichick win a Super Bowl without Tom Brady which one was the catalyst to make the other one succeed I think that is the 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 biggest interesting topic in my mind um, and the ego obviously for 20 years these guys were able to play with each other for 20 years putting their ego aside being humble for for the sake of winning and and they did it and and now uh, a new chapter will come out of this and if Tom Brady wins nobody can say a thing I mean nobody can say a thing about him he obviously he's the goat already nobody's going to argue that but if he wins without Bill Belichick that argument goes away and and he can ride off into the sunset being the best player ever to do it because now he won with two different teams it's it's a very interesting topic it will be discussed throughout the offseason I'm sure but move right along. Ryan Tannehill re-signs a four-year deal, $118 million with the Tennessee Titans. I was a big supporter of Ryan Tannehill um, as in the offseason, going into training camp. I believed he was the right man to replace Marcus Mariota. Everybody knows this if you listen to the show, uh, if you read the work. I mean, I documented it on many occasions that I believe Tannehill was the better player for that offense. They lock him up to a number that I think is astronomically Overboard. They did not need to pay him $118 million to remain in Tennessee. Um, this thing can go both ways. I still am a supporter of Tannehill, but that number scares me a lot. Um, if you have a down season now, you're going to regret paying him, and, and it leaves your cap in a in a, a devastating, crippling event for future seasons. So, I mean, the term isn't long. It is four years. I'm sure they have an out after year two, 
Uh, I haven't checked the stipulations of his contract. But, I mean, you go in with continuity. I'm okay with that. You keep Tannehill aboard. Uh, you franchise-tagged uh, Derrick Henry. We'll get to that when we get to the running backs as well. But, I mean, you're keeping the team together, the team that went to the AFC Championship game and lost to the Chiefs. So I, I can't hate it. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good move, but I wish the dollars were a little bit less uh, if I was Titans fans. Philip Rivers, this one was another one that was going down. Uh, where would he play? Obviously, we heard Tampa Bay in the rumblings uh, because he uh, Rivers moved his family to Florida. Um, but he signs with the Indianapolis Colts. He signs a one-year deal. I believe it was $25 million. I like this move a whole lot. Frank Reich is a guy whom I respect extremely uh, in high regard. Um, he is an offensive mastermind. He can expel the most from his players. He is, he is a, a sound play caller. And I think with Philip Rivers, who has proven to be extremely coachable and play within a system, um, I think that this it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Jacoby Brissett, okay, um, we saw what he is. A lot of people saying, well, why wouldn't you just stick with Jacoby? I think we've almost seen uh, Brissett's ceiling, if, if, if I can speak uh, candidly. Um, you're, you're not going to get much higher than 3,500 yards and maybe, what, 22 touchdown passes from Brissett in a season. Phillip Rivers threw for well over 4,000 yards. I believe it was like 4,500 yards last year. And, uh, okay, the touchdowns did suffer. He was he was in the 20s. But Phillip Rivers in an offense with an offensive line like this, the, the Colts have, he will have time. He will have time to throw. He won't be forcing the ball down the field. We could easily see another 4,000-yard season and 30 touchdowns absolutely coming from Phillip Rivers in this offense. They add another wide-receiving playmaker to this group, and I think you're going to see unbelievable statistics coming from him. So the next one we saw was Teddy Bridgewater sign a three-year deal, $63 million with the Carolina Panthers. So news broke that Cam Newton was allowed to seek a trade. Um, the Panthers uh, clearly want to move on from uh, their franchise quarterback who has played there since he was drafted. Um, the, the switch to Teddy Bridgewater is interesting. I don't dislike Teddy. I think he's uh, he's a good quarterback. Um, he is more of a game manager. He, he tends to go in that direction. I really wonder what Coach Judges uh, has in store for him. Um, you could see, again, a lot of checkdowns to uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, I, I, I still have to give some reasoning to um, why Teddy Bridgewater was the answer in this case. Um, like we said, Cam Newton, uh, his throwing motion is completely sideways now. You don't see it, it's not what it used to be is what I'm trying to get at. So with all that injury, the injury to his foot, his shoulder, I understand why the Panthers want to move on. But is Teddy Bridgewater the long term answer at 27 years old? I want to see it on the field uh, to give my endorsement. Like I said, I don't dislike Teddy, but it was a very interesting move. Um, outside of that, for the quarterbacks, we did have Marcus Mariota sign with the with the Raiders. I think that's a decent move for him. Uh, this echoes the same opinion we had for Ryan Tannehill. Can Mariota resurrect his career by playing behind Derek Carr? If Derek Carr struggles, uh, uh Mariota can obviously step in and hopefully take over. Mariota's uh, a, a 
his deal in in Vegas should be him learning the ins and outs of this offense and this playbook. So if he steps into this offense, he can take over without any question mark with uh, for from John Gruden, head coach John Gruden. I think that's the most important thing. If he keeps quiet, doesn't make a noise, doesn't make any noise, and he understands the book and he goes in when his number is called upon and he flourishes, the job is going to be his. Um, so I definitely like that move for Mariota. It's a low risk for the Raiders. Uh, very, very good move. Uh, Chase Daniel just continues to make money, signed a new deal with the Lions. Um, Colt McCoy recently just signed as a backup to the New York Giants. Um, nothing major uh, in that regard. So, yeah, I mean, that's the quarterback. So let's jump into the running back situation. Obviously, we said already Derrick Henry was one of the most coveted backs um, on this free agent market, and he was franchise tagged by the Titans. Uh, we saw this coming. I mean, the NFL is going in a situation where running backs are not highly coveted. They're easily replaceable. Um, I find it to be unfortunate, but uh, it is the position that these gentlemen play. I mean, you take a pounding on every single down, you touch the ball. So it's it's no wonder your body breaks down on that magical number of 30 years old and you don't become that same player. Do I believe that the Titans are going to draft a running back? Yes. I think they will be looking for the replacement for Derrick Henry. They franchise tag him this year uh, in hopes that they get a back behind him of equal caliber, equal skill set, so that they can move on from Henry next season. I think that is the goal, but they do believe they have a squad to uh, compete again uh, for the Super Bowl, so uh, that's a big one. Uh, Melvin Gordon, we'll, we'll talk about him right now. He hasn't been re-assigned uh, to any club as of today. We did hear rumblings that the Buffalo Bills are in the mix. The Miami Dolphins are in the mix for his services, but obviously his, his number is way too high for teams um, to take a shot on him. Uh, my number for him, for Gordon that I could see being acceptable is anywhere around the two- to three-year contract, around $7 million per season. I'm okay with that. Anything above that, I don't think it's appropriate. He has injury concerns of his of his own. Um, so that that situation we will see unfold as uh, as the free agent period continues to move forward. But his market has been extremely light uh, thus far, and uh, kind of surprising if. Uh, uh, if I don't say so myself. So Kenyon Drake with the Arizona Cardinals, he was trans- transition tagged. This is very, very smart for the Arizona Cardinals. They want to keep Drake. There's no question about it in my mind, but they don't want to pay him the $10 million that he is wanting. So how do you get away from that? You saw, you put him on a transition tag. If no team gives him an offer sheet, you can lowball the offer based on uh the numbers that the transition tag will give, which is far less than $10 million. Just a brilliant move by the Arizona Cardinals, and I still believe that Drake will end up being uh, with the Cardinals this season on that offense with uh, newly acquired DeAndre Hopkins. I still like this offense and how they're building um, as long as Drake comes back. If not, they're going to have to go to the draft um, or sign a one-off free agency. Recent news as of today, Todd Gurley was released from the L.A. Rams. Was this really a shock? I mean, we wrote this in our ADF uh, offseason workbooks for the ADF, for the LA Rams. Check it out. We have all 32 teams uh, on the site. 
and a lot of our predictions are panning out. So definitely give those a read. Uh, definitely appreciate it. You guys will enjoy the reads. But yeah, so Todd Gurley has been released. Like we we had mentioned, this was a possibility. Um, they're given, I believe I heard, the post-June 1st designation, uh, meaning that his, uh, his dead cap number will be significantly lower. Um, he was due a roster bonus, I believe, as of today at uh, 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Eastern time, so the Rams moved swiftly to try to find a trade partner, got no bites, and ended up releasing him. Uh, he is now a free agent. The concern for him clearly is those knees, um, and it, this is the thing when when a free agent becomes a free agent, especially of the elite nature that Todd Gurley is. You gotta think that the team who had him knows him best. And they have a clear concern that those knees are are not going to be able to hold up and he is no longer the runner he once was. He is more a north-south runner than he was east-west um, in earlier on in his career. So um, if he signs, uh, what's the money he's going to get? I think a team like Miami could overpay him. If he goes to a club like the Falcons, like we're hearing, could be, have interest, it will be far lower maybe on a one-year prove-it deal uh, uh, something like that. So Devontae Freeman, he was another cap casualty. The The Falcons had seen enough of the injuries, of the uh, uh, diminishing performance and play. They let him hit the open market. His market has been dead cold so far. Nobody even snapping a bite in his direction. So... I mean, uh, is the future for Freeman at 28 years old uh, concluding uh, for his career, or is he going to latch on for another year or two, um, force it out, and then retire around 30? I could see it. His body is banged up. He is not the same player he was a few seasons ago, so that's a clear indication on why the the Falcons decided to move on. Jalen Richard re-signed a two-year, $7 million deal with the Raiders. This is just a steady back for them, pass-catching back change of pace back i like the re-sign jordan howard 25 years old he signs a two-year deal with the miami dolphins i absolutely love this move jordan howard has been nothing but disrespected in this league he hasn't he wasn't given the touches in uh, philadelphia uh he he suffered some injuries but when you go back to his chicago days he did nothing but produce in those three seasons I, and it was over 1,000 yards, I believe, in, in two of the three, and he nearly uh, uh, missed that third 1,000-yard season by, like, 20 yards. Um, so the disrespect that Jordan Howard gets, he is a productive runner. He's not your flash-and-dash running back. He is a pounder. He is a bruiser. He's got decent speed, but he is a very capable back in this league, and the Dolphins definitely scored in that department. They will be adding, for sure, they will be adding another running back, either through the free agent market, which is still loaded with uh, with players um, but I like the move for the Dolphins. The Dolphins have been adding very sound talent to their team so players that still remain in the running back uh, free agent pool is Deion Lewis, Chris Thompson both 29 years old, DeAndre Washington former Raiders 27 years old, Carlos Hyde 29 years old, Lamar Miller 28 years old but coming off of that knee injury so I wonder what his market will be CJ Procise, Ty Montgomery, Frank Gore, Jonathan Williams, Amir Abdullah, 
Corey Clement, 25 years old. I don't mind this guy. I think he should latch on to some team. He's got ability to be a change of pace runner. He's good in the pass game. I think someone will definitely sign him uh, to a low rent deal. Um, but he is he is somebody uh, everyone should be looking out for that needs a complimentary back. Peyton Barber, 26. I've never been a huge fan of his. I think he'll latch on later on in the free agent market. But as as free agent frenzy goes on. Um, but for my appetite, uh, it's got to be the right system for him. I'm I'm really not a huge fan of his skill set. J.D. McKissick, he, he signs a two-year deal with the Redskins. Um, and after that, I mean, the pool gets a lot thinner. I mean, LaShawn McCoy still out there, 31 years old. I really wonder what he has left in the tank. Um, uh, not much else you can say in the running back uh, situation. Fullbacks, I mean, there's not much we can say for fullbacks. Derek Watt, he signed a three-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is going to play with his brother who plays on defense. That's a pretty cool story. And then Kevin Smith, he re-signs with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Fullback is not a position anymore that we see uh, highly coveted in the NFL. So let's move right along to the wide receiver group. So obviously the huge ones, the huge names on the board were Amari Cooper and A.J. Green. We'll start with Amari Cooper, 25 years old. Everybody was waiting to see what the movement was going to happen with Dak Prescott. He obviously got the franchise tag, so they locked that up, and then they went to work on uh, Amari Cooper's deal. So rumor had it that Washington had forced the hand of the Cowboys. They were offering Cooper big dollars to come over to be uh, an addition to the wide receiver room that has Terry McLaurin. That would have been fantastic uh, uh, with Sims, with McLaurin, and Amari Cooper. Washington would have scored huge. But that forced the hand of Jerry Jones and company, and they re-signed Amari Cooper to a massive five-year, $100 million deal. The money to me is is staggering. Um, you're already paying your offensive line big dollars. Um, you're paying Dak Prescott big money on the franchise tag. Zeke is getting a ton of money. Uh, in his deal, which uh, may or may not look nice in two years. And now you add Amari Cooper to this uh, with a $100 million deal. What is Amari Cooper in my eyes? Uh, is he a true number one? I believed it back in his Oakland Raider days. I thought he was stellar. Um, the dropped passes were obviously a concern. Didn't like that part of his game. I mean, but he cleaned that up. Uh, we didn't see that as much in Dallas. Um, he's playing alongside of Michael Gallup, which is a which is a very nice tandem. But do we truly see Amari Cooper as a wide receiver one that can take over a game? His disappearance in contests is what concerns me the most. Um, uh, that he may not be able to step it up in those important times for this club. And when you're paying somebody that type of money, um, you definitely need that production. So I don't hate the, the, the move to bring Cooper back because I really liked what this offense had. Um, hearing rumor that Emmanuel Sanders is definitely someone they're looking at to bring on to replace Randall Cobb in the slot. That would be music to my ears as well. The more talent you give Cooper, I think the better he will play. Um, if Cooper is relied upon in crunch time situations, he has proven to do it. Um, I just I just question the fact that it, it, it disappears um, from time to time. So when you're dropping that type of money, you, you want the full meal deal 
um, every contest, right? So that's basically where I stand on Cooper. It's a good move. Don't hate it whatsoever. A.J. Green returns to Cincinnati Bengals on the franchise tag. You had to believe that they were not going to allow Green to leave, to walk to the open market for nothing, especially with the fact that they plan. I mean, this is the speculation. They plan to draft Joe Burrow with the first overall pick, um, and you got to prove to the youngster that you're building a team, and, and this is what they're doing. I, I, I truly believe with all the moves the Bengals have made over the last three days, uh, four days, they have been – um, making a case that they really want to rebuild this team to become a winner so that Joe Burrow can feel like there's a commitment to winning. I mean, this is anything for any young quarterback coming in the league, and that is if he is the one drafted. So for signed other signed receivers, Randall Cobb, he jumped ship from Dallas and went to Houston on, a, I believe it was a 3 or $27 million deal. Uh, this is another move. I'm a Randall Cobb supporter. I mean, I was preaching Randall Cobb going to the Cowboys. I truly believe he was going to resurrect his career of sorts, and that he did. Um, but now you're going to a team like Houston now without DeAndre Hopkins, with Will Fuller constantly being injured, Kenny Stills. Uh, what, what can we say about Kenny Stills? Is he a deep threat? Is he more than that? He's clearly not a number one target. And, and then you add Randall Cobb to be the slot guy. So, I mean, uh, the target share is looking good for Randall Cobb to explode uh, for fantasy football on the, on the stat sheet. Um, barring any other receiver they add to the group in the draft or or on free agency. But you, there's no DeAndre Hopkins on the open market. You're definitely going to have to find him in the draft. Um, but that was an interesting sign to me. Danny Amendola re-upped with the Detroit Lions, $5 million deal. I like that move. Uh, can't hate on Amendola. I think he is a, a sound talent. Matthew Slater re-signed with the New England Patriots. He is more of a special teams player rather than a wide receiver. DeAnthony Thomas re-signs with the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens on a low rent deal and I mean that's basically it for the wide receivers that have been snagged off the open market which is rather surprising or not right we were just saying this this is the same tune we're saying the whole way the draft is stacked with wide receivers so why is any team going to overpay for any of these talents so the 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 players uh that are on the board still Robbie Anderson 26 years old he was looking for big dollars and we had said it before free agency opened how could you pay uh, Robbie Anderson the amount of money that he is looking for um for not even having a thousand yard season with the Jets I mean how can you justify that type of of action in your bank account you can't and teams definitely agree with that statement because they are not giving him the money that he definitely wants so he might sit on the market a little bit more. I think there still is interest from a lot of teams to bring him on board, but it's going to definitely have to be at a lower cap number. Emmanuel Sanders, 33 years old, like we mentioned, the Dallas Cowboys have expressed interest to signing him. He will take a lower pay deal, I'm sure, to go to the Cowboys because their cap hit is looking a little bit slim. Um, Brashad Perryman, 26 years old, this is another guy. Uh, no team in their right mind would overpay for Perryman simply because of what he did late in the season, uh, inflating his stats versus weaker competition in games that didn't matter. Um, I would never pay for Perryman. We know what he is. He is a decent talent uh, with a ceiling already hit and injury concerns. This is what he is. 
Um, I don't see any team really breaking down the door for him. Demarcus Robinson, 25 years old. I'm a little shocked that his market has been as quiet as it has been. He has shown a lot of ability with the with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think he would be a very sound secondary piece on any offense, uh, given the opportunity. He's still young. He was still learning the game. Um, I think you'll see him uh, taken off the board uh, within the next few days. Um, um, but the team, I really can't say. I really don't know what his scheme fit would be at this point. I really struggle with his evaluation because he does a number of things well, but he also does things uh, uh, not so well. So moving along, Richard Higgins, 25 years old from the Browns. His market has heat, uh, gotten a little, uh, a lot hotter over the last couple days. Again, the Buffalo Bills, I heard, have connections to him. Devin Funches, 25 years old. I'm shocked that to see nobody wants uh, Funches either. He's still young. He still has boatloads of talent. Um, but again, the injuries are the concern. So uh, moving right along from him, Geronimo Allison, another secondary option that may receive traction. Nelson Aguilar, I'm surprised that nobody has taken a flyer. If he wants too much money, that is the reason why he's still sitting on the open market. But I think he could be a decent slot receiver for, uh, for another club. Taylor Gabriel, Philip Dorsett, Josh Gordon. All on the open market. Gordon's an interesting one with the collective bargaining agreement being ratified. And now uh, players will not be tested for marijuana use. Um, this opens the door for Josh Gordon to come back in the league and, and still provide something. He is only 28 years old. I still think he's got a lot left in the tank and could be a great option for a club looking for a secondary option. Uh, Tej Sharp, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, Chester Rogers. I mean, the list you're going down now is a lot lesser uh, talent and and it's going to be uh, Pharaoh Cooper. He's one that I really like, 25 years old. I think he hasn't been given a fair shake in the league. He could be a very, very sound slot receiver for uh, a team looking uh, that has two good options. Pharaoh Cooper, in my mind, needs to find the right system to succeed. Um, uh, outside of that, you don't have much left. Chris Hogan, perhaps, 32 years old. Um, I think maybe the sun is set on his career um, in him being anything spectacular for any team. Justin Hardy, former Atlanta Falcon, again, he kind of falls in the Farrell Cooper role for me. Um, he's a decent producer, but nothing to get overly excited about. So that is your wide receiver free agents um, who have been signed. Uh, left on the board so let's jump right into the tight ends hunter henry for the la chargers this one was clear he the long-term deal wasn't going to get signed um, by the chargers simply because injury history uh, this is obviously clear uh, how can you pay a big dollar deal to a guy who has seen the medical room as many times as he had so placing the franchise tag on the 25 year old was the best uh, path forward I like it I think you you, you let Henry prove it once again it's going to be a little bit tougher um, uh, in that sense simply because t- at this point the Chargers are rolling with Tyrod Taylor as their starting quarterback um, that a whole lot can change after the draft after the open market I mean you still have Cam Newton um, you still have uh, Jameis Winston Um, is it possible that Tyrod Taylor gets a guy like Jameis Winston behind him and if Taylor struggles Winston comes in I could definitely see that same with Cam Newton Um, if Cam comes to the Chargers I think he takes that starting job from Taylor Um, but if it is Winston I can see the reverse Uh, and coach Anthony Lynn I mean from his days in Buffalo he knows Tyrod Taylor 
I know Tyrod Taylor from watching an extensive amount of his tape and his games. Um, He is a fabulous, fabulous deep thrower. I mean, don't get that twisted. He is pinpoint, and he can chuck that ball. His issue is that he cannot throw deep over the middle, and his short outs to the sidelines are just horrific. He will constantly look for the run before the pass, and he is overcautious with the ball. That is the limitations with Tyrod Taylor. If you have a good defense, Tyrod can, you know, if he scores you 14 points and the defense can lock it down, uh, they have a good shot to win. Tyrod is not the quarterback you want if you're down in, uh, in games. He will definitely struggle to bring them back. But, I mean, if that's a uh, situation they're going, do I see Hunter Henry um, – excelling with Tyrod Taylor I have to say no uh, because the tight end shot is definitely going to be the slants deeper over the middle the mid-range and Tyrod definitely struggles with those so um, statistically we could see a down year from Henry unless the quarterback situation is uh, altered and we see a better passer added to that to that team Austin Hooper was the big one obviously we mentioned the Falcons getting Hayden Hurst from the Ravens and this was because we knew Austin Hooper at 25 years old was going to sign a mammoth deal and that he did with the Cleveland Browns 42 million dollars four years the Browns man they're reaching I just I feel like they're reaching on this move do I believe in Austin Hooper yes I do I think he's a talented player he's not overly electric and exciting um, uh, like the elite tight ends like the Travis Kelsey's he's not that type of player he doesn't have the speed he doesn't have the athleticism but he is a big body he's got great hands and he can block very well Um, so when it comes to the move in helping protect um, Baker Mayfield I like that move a lot Uh, do I like it for third down conversions and the red zone absolutely is this going to open up Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry even more absolutely so in all those moves it it, it does make a whole heck of a lot of sense but the dollar figures in my mind four years at 42 million being the highest paid tight end in the league I think is a stretch Um, uh, but hey I mean that's what it costs to get these guys on the open market and uh uh Cleveland, we'll see. I mean, Baker's going to have to step up. We're going to have to see what Baker can do. If he can't, um, all eyes are going to be pointed at Mayfield. I mean, you're going to have two uh, fabulous running backs. This offense is loaded outside of the offensive line. If they can give a little bit more to that offensive line, you got Nick Chubb, you got Kareem Hunt. Now you add Hooper to go with OBJ and Landry. I mean, they're stacked. How can you not win with this with this crew if you're Baker Mayfield so all eyes are going to be on uh, Baker and the pressure will be on no doubt in my mind Greg Olson he was signed long time ago we'll just add that into the mix he signed a one-year seven million dollar deal with the Seattle Seahawks so we'll see how that pans out Darren Fells re-signs a two-year contract with the Houston Texans uh why He's 33 years old. I think you could have upgraded uh, somewhere with like an Eric Ebron. I think that one would have made a lot more sense. That obviously isn't out of the question The without uh, DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to look for more playmakers. Maybe we si- see uh, Ebron sign there as he is still on the open market, 26 years old for Ebron. But we definitely know what his problems have been, drop passes, inconsistent play and injuries as well. So, I mean, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Jimmy Graham, he signs a two-year deal with the Chicago Bears. 
I struggle with this move as well. I mean, you still have Burton, Trey Burton there. You had Adam Shaheen. Obviously, these guys are also injury prone, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what Jimmy Graham has left. He didn't seem like he had a lot left in the tank in Green Bay. He was sparingly used, uh, sparingly used, and uh, I really question what Matt Nagy is going to do with Jimmy Graham in this offense. Jason Witten signs a one-year deal with the Vegas Raiders. I like this move. I saw a lot of chatter on Twitter where people were uh, not liking the transaction, thinking that it's a it's a downgrade for Waller, Darren Waller. It's going to limit his production. I see it the other way. I mean, the the Moro, uh, the other tight end, I can't remember his first name. Moro is his last name. Yes, is he going to see a decline? Sure. Um, but Jason Witten is a very sound run blocker, and all he does for you is he moves the chains on third down. You go back and watch what Dallas missed the season before when Witten retired and went to go broadcast games. They could not get those third downs without Jason Witten. You may see that again in in 2020 on the Cowboys. Jason Witten, he just knew how to get to the sticks and get the first down. And when he's sitting on the line, he is a great run blocker. So for my eyes, for fantasy football community, I mean, Josh Jacobs gets a massive bump in my mind. If the Raiders are going to play dual tight end sets, you let Waller streak down and you let Witten block all day long. I mean, that's uh, magic to my ears. You got play action opportunity for Waller. You got running ability for Jacobs. I love it. I think the deal is fantastic. It's a it's a low rent one year contract. Why not take the shot? Another uh, tight end that was signed a while ago is uh, Demarius Demetrius Harris signed a one year deal with the Bears. Again, how how many tight ends do the Cleveland or the Chicago Bears need at this point? They're just loaded with talent. And I mean, outside of that, there isn't a whole heck of a lot to discuss when it comes to players that have signed from the tight end groups. I mean, we still have a lot of names, like we mentioned, Eric Ebron, 26 years old. I get it. I mean, depending on what Ebron is wanting um, from his contract, um, I still believe he has value for any team. Um, teams that need a tight end, like the Buffalo Bills, that would be a good match. The Arizona Cardinals, another good match. Uh, uh, you put somebody like Ebron with catching ability. He he obviously isn't the best blocker in the world, but I still believe you you take the risk at a decent price and and you put him on your offense and you and you you watch the production come in. Jordan Reed is on the open market, but again, we discussed Jordan Reed, I believe, on the previous show. Um, what is his market going to be with his concussion problems? I really don't see a vast market for him. Tyler Eifert, same thing. He's 29 years old. If he gets a uh, around a $4 million a year deal, I don't hate it. He, he proved that he could play a full 16-game slate last year, but granted that was on a limited snap count. So I, I wonder what his market is. Delaney Walker, 35 years old. He's seen better days. Injuries have crept up on him. He could be maybe a late for a free agent sign for a club. Nick Vanette, Ricky Seals-Jones, Jeff Swam, they all sit on the open market. Charles Clay, Nick O'Leary, um, who else can we see on this board? Yeah, that's about it in my mind. I mean, I don't see much more talent coming from the tight end group on the open market. Charles Clay is an interesting one to me only because of his blocking ability. So if you have a team with a quarterback with a struggling offensive line, I think he is a absolute 
fantastic piece to add to the to the team. He is one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL, and obviously his knees are the issue. He's got chronic knee issues as well. Um, it's going to be a problem. He may miss some games. You're definitely going to have to manage his practice reps. But Charles Clay is is a good option for any club who has an offensive who has offensive line problems and uh, want to uh, uh, cover up the inadequacy. Uh, Charles Clay can definitely do that. So let's jump to the offensive line. Anthony Costanzo, he resigns a two-year deal, $33 million deal with the Colts. Again, we talked about the Colts. This is just beautiful in my eyes, uh, the way that they're building this team. Jack Conklin, he signs a massive deal with the Cleveland Browns. So this is what we were discussing. The Cleveland Browns need to improve the offensive line to give Baker Mayfield more time in the pocket. I like this deal a lot. He, Conklin's only 25 years old. They, they pilfer him from the Titans, and and I think it's a great move. Um, uh, so, and again, does Baker Mayfield have many more excuses? If they add a couple more offensive linemen in the draft or more from free agency, I Baker Mayfield, you're out of excuses. you got to put up or shut up at this point. Andrew Whitworth, he resigns. 38 years old. That was a shocker to me. He resigned with the LA Rams. I thought retirement was on the board for him. Brian Balaga signs a three-year deal with the Chargers. I didn't like this deal. I think the Chargers made a made a massive miss here. Balaga is a great player, but he deals with injuries on a weekly basis. You see him leave contests, miss miss games the following week. I really don't like this move whatsoever. Um, I, I believe the deal was three years at $30 million. Don't like it whatsoever. DJ Humphreys re-signs with the Cardinals. That one's okay. George Fent, he signs with the New York Jets on a big money deal. This was a big steal from the, the Seattle Seahawks. For the for the way the Hawks offense is, they are run first at this point. I mean, they may change it uh, next season, but George Fant was a big, big uh, uh, proponent of of making that run game work. So we'll see how the the Hawks change and uh, alter that. Rick Wagner he signs with the Green Bay Packers off the Detroit Lions. Decent money deal. I I like Wagner. I think he's better uh, in a, than a lot of people believe. Um, when it comes to other guys, I mean, it's it's negligible what you can say when it comes to the outside guys. Um, there still is names on the board. We can say uh, Jermaine Iafetti. I like him. Cordy Glenn got released by the Cincinnati Bengals. I got question marks on him. Jason Peters, he is aging, and it, it showed on the field. He's 38 years old. Don't really see much of a market for him. Kelvin Beecham, uh, DeMar Dotson, they're kind of the same player in my eyes. Cameron Irving, he's an interesting guy. He's a good depth player. I wouldn't mind uh, my personal team to grab him. He's a good depth sign. So now jumping into the interior offensive line, we had Brandon Sharif uh, franchise tag by the Washington Redskins. That was a sound move. We like that one a lot. Um, Andreas Pete, 26 years old, uh, former New Orleans Saint. I find this one to be very interesting. I get it. He was dealing with that injury, but I am shocked that no team has thrown money his way. Very, very interesting. Pete is a monster of a, of a interior lineman, and I think he should be scooped up very soon. And when it comes to the Miami Dolphins signing Eric Flowers to that monster three-year, $30 million deal, I really don't like that whatsoever. Uh, we've seen what Flowers can do and what he doesn't do, and, and what he doesn't do is a whole heck of a lot. So I really think that was a hit and miss. 
Um, after all the signings Miami did over the past four days, that is the worst one they have. Uh, some guys still on the board. I do like Mike Ayupati. He is 32. He has been dealing with a lot of injuries. Other names like Osemele. He is only 30 years old. I like his game. He is okay. Ryan Khalil, 34. He might go back to retirement. Quinton Spann. He signed with the re-sign with the Buffalo Bills. That is a good sign. He was very, very good on that Buffalo Bills offensive line. John Miller, another name. He signs a one-year deal after being cut by the Cincinnati Bengals. He signs with the Card or the Carolina Panthers. Excuse me. Stefan Wisniewski. He is 30 years old. I heard he is searching and he has some interest. Uh, he was a former uh, Eagles guard last uh, last season. But outside of that, I mean, you still have a lot of players on the offensive line that are still gracing the board. And it seems as though the free agent uh, rush has kind of cooled off. You're seeing teams kind of uh, take a glance and see what they actually have left on their books, what they need to add. Um, there's a lot of winners uh, so far. Miami has hit a lot. We'll make this episode part one. We'll dissect the defensive side uh, in, in a part two episode in the coming days. Um, uh, obviously it's a lot of players to discuss offensively like we mentioned is the is the key one for fantasy football a uh, lot of a lot of changeover a lot of change still to come with the quarterback still on the open market um, defensively like we'll get into the other show there is names and dollars just being thrown about on defensive players uh, Miami is one of those teams who was just spending big big dollars on the defensive side of the ball so it is exciting um, for agency like i said is tapering off when it comes to the amount of volume we're seeing in, uh, in transaction news but i fully expect that to ramp up over the next few days over the weekend as as teams start to stockpile more depth um, there still is a lot of big names on the open market. Davian Clowney comes to mind. He is being priced out. Uh, he expected a lot more. He may have to take a shorter-term deal. But, I mean, we try to fit everything in on one show. It just didn't happen. So, I mean, we'll do a part two episode of Free Agent Frenzy. We'll, we'll recap the new signings that happen, and we'll touch base on the defense. So, on that note, thanks for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbeam, and wherever you get your shows. So on that note, like we said, we always appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Hit that subscribe button. And until next time, stay humble, stay peaceful, and take care of each other. I'm out.